where Ash learns the lesson the hard way with Pikachu versus Onyx. <laughs> like, do you remember that? Just, oh my god. And that, oh my god. I could rant about that one. Right. Well, I don't really care, Pikachu. I'm gonna hook you up to 17 car batteries so I can just charge you really hard because normally in real life you can't electrocute a rock to death, but Ash is, Ash right. is 10 years old. He's like, alright, Lightning Mouse, <laughs> time to attach the electrodes. <laughs> like, it's a, and, but, but the crazy thing is it, it does, worked. It does, but... But it fucking torches their relationship for a minute because Pikachu's yeah. just like, like, like you did that to me, dog. Like if you electrocuted your cat to make it better at street fighting, it would be pissed at you forever. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody, I'm Pax. And I'm Hal. And this is Brotakus, the show where two guys who love anime do a deep dive on what is and isn't worth watching. We believe you don't have to get a major in anime studies to enjoy this wild, beautiful, strange art form, and we are lucky to have you on the show with us. So, as we go on this journey, you're going to do a couple of brief introductions. My name is Pax. You can find me on Twitter at, at PaxLillian. I am a uh, screenwriter, uh, voice actor, as well as uh, editor and consultant. Do uh, consultations for scripts, screenplays, all sorts of stuff like that. Uh, okay, pass, passing the baton. And I'm taking it. So I'm Hal. I am a uh, actor slash singer. I'm also trying to get into voice acting. Uh, I'm also currently working on making a uh, website for myself personally, as well as making my own Twitter handle. Uh, so we'll see where that goes, and I will make sure I update everyone listening as we go on. Yes. Awesome. So. Hey, Hal, how you doing? Real quick, doing good? I am, yeah, yeah, pretty good, all things considered. Sick. So, this is going to be maybe like the fourth or fifth episode we've recorded of Brotakus. We've been working on this for a while, so excited to share this with the world, but... We started this to celebrate something that we love and to share positivity. We finally have all the logistics set up, but staying positive does not mean staying passive, and we're just not the type of people who are going to practice willful ignorance. So we are starting our podcast, this first episode, with some of that joy. Going to start with a deep dive into a fun topic we've worked hard researching, but about halfway through, we're going to pivot to talking about some real-life stuff, and I think the reasons why are going to be clear as we go on. Yeah, so um, so today we're going to introduce a concept called called uh, Powering Up. Uh, if you aren't familiar with that term, you obviously haven't watched any sort of anime at all, and we're glad that you're here with us yes. today. welcome. Uh, so, if you aren't familiar with the concept, it's a trope in a lot of different anime uh, shows and films that can be, in my opinion, a bit overutilized. So basically, like, the protagonist is facing down a far superior foe, and they realize, hi, I'm in over my head. But then the protag thinks back to a fond memory or something that really motivates them, and they summon the strength to overpower their opponent. Oftentimes, literally summoning physical strength to overpower As they're on their them. last legs, and the opponent goes, you'll never overpower me, Byzanthosaur. My power level is 7 billion, and yours is far less. Time for my final strike! And then the protagonist comes in with like... And the protagonist comes in, and they hear, the, they hear their loved one going, you can do it. I believe in you. <laughs> They're right. <laughs> oh, I can't believe that I possess the sword. Been defeated once again. Bing! 
moon star uh, so, lights so up that in the would background. be uh, very symbolic for like a Dragon Ball Z or Naruto or One Punch Man, etc. There, there's a lot of different shows that do that, but those are three of the most famous. That yeah, I can Naruto think of would right be talking like his inner fox demon behind the jail is the fox would, and you would see like a, a lone t- uh, swing on a tree yes. swinging by itself. <laughs> Naruto is like very bloody and he's on his last legs, and Sakura's like, "Oh no, Naruto!" And he comes to the fox demon, and the fox demon's like, "Oh, Naruto, why have you come to talk to me today?" And Naruto's like, oh, "Give me your energy!" And the fox is like, "No." Naruto goes, please. And the fox goes, yeah, all right, yeah, you've convinced me. <laughs> <laughs> and then seventh tail tower activates and it's game over for the enemy. Um, so, uh, Hal, are you okay if I guide our, our lovely listeners through the history of power systems? Please do. Please give them the evolution of combat in anime. Hi, everybody. So this is a firm deep dive with 100% facts, uh, no opinions. Uh, there's there's literally no detail we've skipped out on here. I have the PhD in <laughs> If you are an angry letter and like teach us these things, help us if we miss anything. This is this is this is a a kind of surface level um, explanation for people who are not familiar, but. Um, Starting at like the, the, the 60s, 70s, 80s era of anime, you began to see a lot of um, kind of storytelling evolution from what I would say is, is like an influence of uh, old American like pulp novels where the protagonist would be somebody like Astro Boy. And so uh, the protagonist would either be like a robot or an alien who just has these powers and who goes on all of these adventures and is very um, alien to the the viewer, but is special because they have that kind of like alien element. Um, however, a lot of these did not have a great recognizable power system. And in looking at this early era, we kind of see it's before the concept of what we talk about a lot on this podcast, which is shonen anime, which is typically uh, like uh, boys up to like 18 years old target demographic, like Naruto, One Piece, all of those are thought of as shonens. And then there's uh, Senin, which is young men manga, which I mean, like these distinctions are not perfect. The most popular uh, place to um, read manga in Japan and then online in English is Shonen Jump. It's the the most well-known of these mm-hmm. places. Um, but we, as we saw us kind of like entering that period of more recognizability as those genres started to form up, there were new revelations in what um, a power system could entail as they got to be more like fun serialized stories with arcs and character growth. And so I think the first time we see stuff changing is like Fist of the North Star in 1983 and Dragon Ball, which I didn't know Dragon Ball started in the 80s, but it's 1984 (laughs) was when Dragon Ball came out. And that is a great marker of when the system kind of crossed over. They both introduced the concept of Ki, which is like, um, you can think of it as your your chakra, your inner uh, energy, your life force that can be harnessed by all beings if you have a rigorous enough training process. And um, that was kind of, I guess, like this training era before we kind of go into JoJo's Bizarre Adventure in 1983, which literally shows a progression of it starts out with Hamon, which is like your inner life energy and light and energy from the sun and you train and you get it. But then they evolve to like a a way different standout system. Hal, you want to take like what stands are in part three? Right. So, so stands. So like, like Pax said before, it was very much like you put in effort in order to defeat your enemy, whereas stands were an innate ability. It was like a passive thing that, that eventually you learned to control, but 
basically only by getting your your ass whooped a multiple yeah. times and figuring out exactly what your stand can do. So a stand is a uh, physical manifestation of your psychic energy that is only visible to you and other stand users. And everyone everyone who has a stand has like their own unique ability that usually coincides with their personality in in some way. So like you know like Batman villains very indicative. Like their name is usually indicative of what they can do. Yeah, and and they start off really um, interesting, uh, but. Still- Still kind of a holdover from the era of just like, I'm going to beat you really hard. So main character in part three has a stand, a special uh, little homie behind him uh, called Star Platinum. And Star Platinum's ability is so fast and is so cool and is so powerful. It just beats the shit uh, yeah, out yeah, of yeah. you. And it's, yeah, whereas <laughs> you get to like part four and one of my favorite stands there is there's a guy who is just a kind of like con artist and his stand creates a like a spiritual lock on your heart that grows and grows and grows the more that you feel guilt to the point where if you feel enough guilt it will eventually overwhelm you and he uh, will he will kind of like blackmail people by putting this lock on them doing all of these tricks and cons to make them feel more and more guilty and eventually say okay unless you pay me this huge sum of money this lock's gonna remain on your heart or you might die so you gotta do what I say and this is I think the kind of crossover where we see that like your power system doesn't necessarily need to mean like how strong you are physically it can be all types of things it can involve tactics jojo's is very much about like wars of information where if you uh all the time in part three uh hal you'll see like all five of the main characters in jojo's will get their ass whooped by some random dude who you just are not clear on what his ability is and it seems like he might take out the entire group and it's all because they don't know what he does and so it devolves into a war of information where if the (laughs) opponent has more information than you will know how to fight against you and you get into kind of that cerebral stuff and so i think As we look at like power systems in anime, talking about what makes a good power system, what do we like, what do we dislike in terms of how are these fights done, how is strength determined in your universe, and this is this goes for like all fictional universes, right? I think that it's very Mm -hmm. relevant. Um, I kind of want to give a little example of like power systems through Dungeons and Dragons attributes because we're used, which you'll hear more of as you listen to our podcast. No way you won't. (laughs) We just (laughs) we just can't help ourselves. We're just too. <laughs> little D and D bimbos up in here. Just I cannot resist. So, can you um, give like the rundown of like what the attributes are? And I'll like give examples of a show where that is kind of the language they speak in power. Sure. So, so when you're looking at a character sheet in Dungeons and Dragons, there are certain attributes that you use that dictate how good you are at certain things. So the first one being strength, being like how good you are at lifting things, throwing things, jumping, being athletic. Totally. That's strength. And something that is like almost purely strength based. And and again, for these, no universe ideally is going to be literally purely strength based. In fact, a lot of these universes have um, will use these different attributes as like a really strong guy against a really um, quick guy against a really intelligent guy. Um, And Mm. these are just examples that kind of show close to pure distillation. So for strength, something like One Punch Man, it follows a guy named Saitama, who uh, I think he runs 10 kilometers every day, does 100 push-ups, 100 sit-ups, like... And sleeps in the summer and the winter without AC or heat. Yes, and so that just makes him so strong to the point where he could destroy anything with One Punch. And One Punch Man is a brilliant series, we'll have a different episode on it, but 
at least in terms of battle, it's all about strength. It's about how much forward momentum is behind that fist and what that then does to the enemy. And so, and it is actually the biggest joke behind the entire show is that the power system is is actually quite functional for every character besides Saitama. Yes. But then once he gets into it, you're like, oh, it's over. It's done. And so you see that um, even in something that can seem like an uninteresting power system, because One Punch Man is almost like, what if you take the concept of a, a really like tilted D&D character who's like father's like half angel, half demon is the most powerful person in the world. Or even like a Fist of the North Star, where it's just the strongest dude in the world, destroys everything all mm-hmm. the time. And you just watch it happen. It's like a meditation on different struggles that One Punch Man has and so still manages to be effective. And so that's kind of like where you could see strength as a focus. Uh, next on the list would be dexterity. And that is like, obviously, how dexterous you are, how good you are at stealing things, you know, uh, wielding certain weapons that require finesse. Yeah. And so for something like that, we would there is a manga series called Ping Pong. And guess what it's about is about ping pong. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so, um, again, in, in ping pong, you don't need gigantic biceps. You do not need to be able to, you know, survive swallowing five cyanide pills. It's just how dexterous are you? And you get to the top of the mountain. Like, like a cat, baby. baby. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, next is constitution and that's kind of one of the weirder ones but it basically it dictates like how well can you handle being poisoned how well can you resist disease how healthy are you in general do you look sickly that's totally and you'll see constitution in so much where like in in i think like dragon ball z you see people taking crazy amounts of damage and things that would destroy a normal person and it's just like and they don't (laughs) They do not give a shit. So constitution very high. Another example is Yoamushi Pedal, which is like the seminal biking uh, manga and anime, which is, again, you you don't need to be insanely dexterous to to ride this bike, but you're just pushing forward. Your heart's going to explode, but you're still biking. You're still pedaling. Oh my god! I actually did not know about this one. I'm gonna check that I know, out. It sounds like, that one sounds fake, sounds like one of the fake ones we make up, and like yeah. the other uh, episodes that we have. <laughs> okay. Uh, next on the list is intelligence, which is you know you can guess what intelligence is. How good are you at out, uh, uh, outsmarting your opponents? Obviously, mine isn't terribly high. And um, <laughs> how good are you at uh, figuring things out, writings, problems, and stuff? Yeah, and specifically, it is like your your book knowledge too because wisdom is is a little different than intelligence but for intelligence something like no game no life it is a story of like a young brother and sister who are like the best at games here on planet earth and they get sucked in through the internet they go into some alternate world where uh there's like a a playful god that has sucked in like great this great gaming pair from earth and uh in this world this like playful god has made it so there's no more war no more massacres but all battles are determined through games and so whether it's like games like chess or card games and so in no game no life this brother sister duo it is all about like crazy sherlock holmes levels of just like knowing exactly how game systems work how the chance works how they're going to like outsmart these things and it's just sheer big brain that gets them through it and next in this one's a little more complicated than that yeah. this one's wisdom and wisdom is about your knowledge of people being able to associate with people and knowing what they are going to do next yeah and um, that's my understanding totally. of it. yeah and the the last one is 
Actually, let, let's go with the last one because I want to give. I, I think the tomato or uh, the, the fruit salad analogy would be helpful here. Uh, could you give us like a cap on char- charisma as well? Yes. Yeah, so charisma is basically like how good are you at manipulating people? How good are you at talking your way out of situations? Yeah. Are you a charlatan? Things like for that. For sure, for sure. And so the uh, my favorite D and D analogy is called the fruit salad analogy, and it helps you break down strength, dexterity, constitution, intelligence, wisdom, and charisma. It goes like this: uh, uh, strength is the ability to uh, lift a tomato and lift crates of tomatoes. Dexterity is the ability to accurately throw a tomato. Constitution is the ability to eat a bad tomato and experience no ill effects. Intelligence is the ability to know that tomatoes are a fruit, but wisdom is the ability to know that they do not belong in a fruit salad. Charisma is your ability to sell a fruit salad filled with tomatoes. (laughs) And so... Love. Yeah, so I think that's a good breakdown. And so for wisdom, honestly, this is a hot take, but something like Yu-Gi-Oh, something like Yu-Gi-Oh, in which intelligence does not matter in Yu-Gi-Oh. Neither does dexterity really. or charisma. It's simply just like the the wisdom of having this almost like omnipotent perception of like what what card is next in the deck? What am I going to pull? And let me just believe in the heart of the cards. Let me the heart of the let cards me re- is with let, me. And let, <laughs> Yugi boy, I'm going to read the opponent <laughs> with my eye. I'm so wise. Ooh, these are your cards. Um, and then charisma is something like Liar's Game. So Liar's Game is one of my favorite dang uh, uh, manga and anime. It is a game in which um, these like billionaire sicko oligarchs hold these tournaments with these poor people that they force into debt and they are all games of like manipulation and chance where it seems like it's a level playing field but there are things in the rules that are just not level. And so the game is all about finding those rules to exploit and using your charisma to just convince other people, con other people out of it, you know, lie to them so that you wind up on the top of the totem pole. So, um, you, have you seen all of Naruto Noah? Because I have not. I've seen a good amount of Naruto. Okay, so I think that, um, Naruto is a, a good example of how not every power system is like one of these traits is supreme, right? Yes, yes. Every character represents a different uh, system. Yeah. And can you kind of like let us know about the jutsu and like their different roles? Because I think that that's a good kind of like. So so within the Naruto universe, there are like three different types of uh, jutsus that you would use in combat. So there is ninjutsu, which is like, you know, the shadow clone jutsu, which is like using the elements and your own chakra in order to create these fantastic effects that harm or augment you or your opponent. Genjutsu, which is about uh, psychically manipulating your opponent, usually through like an ocular, like through mm-hmm. your eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, it's about getting in your opponent's head. And then there's Taijutsu, which is just hitting someone really yes. hard and a lot. <laughs> yes, yes. And they they all represent like super different um, super different relationships with power and ways to get a leg up. And I think that everybody in these systems powers up in different ways. So first, I kind of want to talk about because we have created five main categories of the power up. And we're going to talk about both how they work in like a a literary just art sense. But we're also going to kind of dig into like what's cool about them. But in general, like I try to think about what's cool about the concept of powering up and like when i was young it was the dopest thing ever like i i may not be able to handle a lot of dragon ball z now because it's kind of infamous for its pacing but oh my 
God, like the, the amount of times I was running around my backyard just pretending I had like long spiky blonde hair and could fly around like, oh, mm, oh so good. So good. <laughs> like when you're like a powerless kid, I think that that's why, to be honest, like marginalized homies love anime, <laughs> you know, like. For sure. I, I can't count how many people have like unironically tried to yeah. do the Kamehameha yeah. wave. Like, like I have literally been like, maybe, maybe. If I try hard enough, I can fire a beam of destructive energy from my hands. Because, I mean, Goku did it. I swear I got so close when I was young. I was, like, almost there. I tried so often. Like, sometimes, you know, might have been a little spark, but I just could not get there. <laughs> you know, the execution is difficult. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, so, throughout all these systems, I think there's something so beautiful about the idea of, of powering up, but there's also, I think, something dangerous in it, which is that the idea that power-ups can be just exclusively uh, relegated to the realm of, I have one breakthrough and it's bringing me through to a complete different level, may not always be the most reflective of like the struggle that actually powering up in real life takes, that actually finding that next level of strength takes. And so we've created five categories to kind of show how different art forms in general, but we're focusing on anime here, uses the concept of the power-up and we're just going to talk about them briefly, how they relate to real life. Uh, you want to start us off? Sure. So the first category of power-ups would be born this way, which means you are either born with the power or you grew into this power naturally. And uh, we have a few examples mm. of shows that would fit into that category. So like JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, at least with um, the third arc, would be a really good representation of that. Because with stands, you're born with a stand. That's that's it. And then you learn how to use it as you grow up, provided you don't die mm -hmm. first. But like, that's that's JoJo's. Um, My Hero Academia, when you are born with a quirk that eventually you grow into and you learn how to utilize through the teachings of your um, superiors, like, um, why am I blanking on his name? All Might. Uh, all Might. Like all Might. All Might. Thank you. <laughs> yes, like All Might. Um, and then there's Naruto, which is an interesting uh, blend mm -hmm. of born this way and another one we'll discuss later but Naruto is like your your bloodline who are your parents like what were they capable of before yep. you were born and usually you have some hint or amalgamation of those powers um, that you learn how to utilize later yeah and um when we say born this way, it also doesn't literally mean um, that it has to be genetic. It could also just be something that, like, you were granted that I think specifically you did not choose. It was something where, like, because Naruto was a baby, and when he had, like, the nine-tailed fox spirit stitched into him that would make him super powerful. And so even if he wasn't born like that, it's something where it's a part of him that he did not get to choose. And so, yeah, right. I think I think this can be cool. Um when you're kind of talking about things that you literally don't have control over, I think that the Uchiha's um, Sasuke is kind of, uh, he's the, the uh, kind of like dark brooding character in Naruto and the example of like a lot of anime jokes about like, oh, my bloodline, oh, my bloodline, oh, my bloodline powers. Um, I must avenge my fallen clan. Yes, yeah. And so um, you can, you, if you can tie it into kind of that trauma and character growth, it could be really interesting. But it's honestly one of the reasons why I find My Hero Academia 
to not be always so compelling because some people just don't have quirks. And although you can grow your quirk and make it more powerful, if you're born with like a real home run quirk, you're born with it. And the the series has not done a great job of always making that matter and always treating their characters like in a really well fleshed out way. And so there, there's pitfalls mm-hmm. with it. And especially when you get into like realms of meritocracy, as in like, I'm not going to write, you know, a 40 page medium think piece about like why Boruto is problematic. <laughs> but like, because <laughs> it's like, oh, there's other, there's other shit I can do. But um, Boruto is the sequel to Naruto, which is um, a direct, uh, it's a direct continuation of the story. And you have like Lil Naruto and Lil Sasuke and Lil other characters and all the. It's like if, um, uh, remember how there were like the Looney Tune babies in <laughs> that cartoon growing yeah, up? Yeah, well, yeah. Uh, uh, something yeah, like I, that. I think that's, it's like, yeah, it was something yeah, like, it's like if they had ninja powers. <laughs> and um, I, it's worthwhile to acknowledge that it's problematic to kind of just like only tell stories that are based on. And then the bloodline was passed down again and again and again and again. Um, if you're implying that that's the only way the power can work, you could balance it out. Um, otherwise, it might just be kind of like lazy storytelling. Um, and not mm-hmm. everything that is problematic or has an issue with it needs to be protested or burnt down to the ground. Some of it can just be. It seemed a little whack, but um, you know, I have not read Boruto. Maybe, maybe it, uh, maybe it'll give me a run for my money. But uh, I don't know. I've watched a little bit of it, and it's um, not nearly the same. Yeah. Okay. So, so pivoting back, and I want to say just so that the, the audience can have like a full level um idea of like our five categories. Our five categories are, and I should have done this earlier: born this way, willpower, bonds artifact get and train life and so we just talked about born this way uh next up we're going to talk about willpower and so this is oh this is this can be the best and the worst um you definitely have more experience with this because of dbz i think this is definitely like dbz's purview right you know dragon ball z um so for those who can't see us i'm actually wearing a dragon ball z shirt at the moment i'm wearing Uh, one that says ugly soy bitch (laughs) which which you know they're (laughs) I don't have a follow-up for that. Eat more tofu. So Dragon Ball Z is an interesting uh, amalgamation of born this way, willpower, and train life. Mm. And so, like, <clears throat> born this way, basically, like, the strongest characters in the show in Dragon Ball, uh, most likely Z and Super are, are probably more representative of mm. that, are like, if you're a Saiyan, you don't have a power limit. You literally, there is no cap on your power provided. No cap, no cap, no, you no cap. Train hard enough. No, no cap, cap, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> provided Man, you, you cap, train hard enough. Where the fuck cap go? Okay, I'm so sorry. Whereas, whereas, like, um, so like you can train as hard as you want. You can be born a certain way, but what really broke the system was when they introduced transformations in Z. Hmm. And that, like, when you transform into a Super Saiyan, simply by the power. Oh, okay. Right. When you transform into a Super Saiyan, your power level is multiplied by, I think, 25, like, numerically, which is insane. If you want, if once matters, once numbers, like, actually mattered, and then that multiplication happened, it was crazy. But then it kept happening. Mm -hmm. It stopped being special. And it was every time someone transformed, it was from, like, the power of loss and want or wanting to defeat your enemy. And so it would be like, just because they'd be like, ah! 
And then they would suddenly be, they would literally, they would literally be 25 times stronger than they were two seconds before. And the villain would be like, what the actual hell? How did you do that? And they'd be like, it doesn't matter. And then they'd beat the crap out of them. Oh, God. Oh, man. And so, like, Dragon Ball Z is definitely, like, one of the guiltiest parties in that. Um, And then it's not consistent. So, like, some characters, like Gohan, for example, would have this Latin power that he could just call upon whenever he was, like, in a fight-or-flight situation. And then in Super, they were just like, nah, he's done with that. My Hero Academia is a great example of this at its worst, I am going to say. And my roommate would come in here and just, just guillotine me for saying that. (laughs) But there's a moment where um, in in anime, I I both love and hate when they, like, number things. It's like a big... trade where it's like oh my god well power levels yeah yeah, yeah. and and oh, also like yeah. the, um, the enemies you're facing like first you must <laughs> like legends of the hidden temple style it's like first you must face the four legitimate moon chieftains before ascending to the council of the seven starry colonels and then killing the moon king <laughs> and, um, and then the whole series is like i'm gonna kill the moon king but um, right. uh, my hero uh, does this where the main character deku's ability he kind of like it's called all for one and I don't need to get into all of the details of it, but he does it at different percentages. It's like he's the quirk that he gets is too strong for him. So he can only use it at 10 percent and then like 12, then 20 percent. And so, of course, it's all like, when's he going to get to 100 percent? But there's a moment like a third of the way through the series where he's just fighting for some kid. And it's been cleared that like he, he talks to the nurse at his school and she's like, Deku, if you ever do that again at like 30 percent, you'll fucking kill yourself. So please don't do that. And he's like, <laughs> okay, I totally won't. And then next episode, um, he cries out as he's defending this kid, and it's like, I want it so bad. This is my willpower. This is my breakthrough. He goes, all for one, one million percent. <laughs> and it's like, it doesn't even make sense what that means. Like, but he totally destroys the enemy. It just obliterates it, and it's never discussed again. And I think that's a great example of like willpower kind of at its worst, where it's like, I want it so bad, therefore I'm gonna break all the rules that this series has set for it and kind of earn it in a cheap way so our next is bonds also known as trust and so that's basically we work better together um but something that everybody can get here even if you're not familiar with anime bonds and trusts is pokemon is absolutely pokemon and so pokemon is a great example of solely i mean in the games you could level up and you can train and there's training in the show but it really is about how well you're getting along with your pokemon how well are you treating them are you petting their little Mm -hmm. bellies are you feeding them berries do you love them so much do you Mm -hmm. care I love it. I love it. Um, And you see that in the original, like, um, where Ash learns the lesson the hard way with Pikachu versus Onyx. (laughs) Do you remember that? Just, oh my God. And that, oh my God, I could rant about that one. Which we probably will someday, but like Pikachu versus Onyx, I mean, these might all be standalone shows someday, even like covering these power systems, but um, uh, Ash like, Ash gets pissed because Pikachu like won't beat Onyx, which is like a gigantic like, basilisk sized like rock monster for those of you who don't know pokemon very well and generally if you're like an electric type pokemon like pikachu the little electric mouse you can't beat little rock you can't beat huge rock snakes but ash is just like right i don't really care pikachu i'm gonna hook you up to 17 car batteries so i could just charge you really hard because normally in real life you can't electrocute a rock to death but ash is is 10 years old he's like all right lightning mouse (laughs) time to attach the electrodes (laughs) like 
And so, and, but but the crazy thing is, it, it does, worked. It does, but but it fucking torches their relationship for a minute because Pikachu's yeah. just like, like, like you did that to me, dog. Like if you electrocuted your cat to make it better at street fighting, it would be pissed at you forever. It was not different with Pikachu, and so the only way to build that lasting trust, and I think that that's why power ups can be a, a lifelong process with bonds, is building that bond, building that trust, getting to that good level. Mm-hmm. Um, you want you want to uh, take the next one? Uh, sure. I'll take one of them. Oh, so the next yeah, one I know, is. Ar- I, I gave kind of yeah. obscure answers for this, but yeah. No, that's okay. So the next one is artifact get, and that is essentially like, all right, we need to go find the mystical chalice of the Black Lopa, and we need to go find it, and it'll give us the ultimate power to take over the seven seas and become the best pirate out there. That was One Piece, but you know. Um, <laughs> Oh, how, how dare you slander One Piece like that? That's not what it's about. <laughs> oh uh, but, my but, god! But that aside, so that angry. Aside. <laughs> uh, so, so one actual good example would be uh, Kill the Kill, which is um, Kill the Kill. You, uh, you fucking piece of shit. <laughs> uh, kill the Kill is is a great example of artifact get because. There's like this system of these incredibly powerful suits that you put them on and you get this like they're like their power levels are rated by stars. So like I think it goes up to what, like three, four stars. I think it's three stars for the suit and then the stars kind of like lose meaning. (laughs) Three stars. Right. So like basically the more stars you have on a suit, the more powerful you are. And there's like a literal government set up on who's in charge based on what kind of suit you have. And the protag finds this extra special suit that like helps her that is sentient and helps her fight against this oppressive and specifically government. when she kills and well not kills but when she takes out another homie she can eat the life oh, yes. fiber that it's made of and so that's kind of the get yeah. mechanic is she takes that fiber it makes her stronger and so it's not exactly experience that makes her stronger it is the sucking up those little fibers like getting those incremental right. things um, right. Other great example of this. I mean, one JoJo's literally does this too, um, because the mask gave the ability to Dio in part one. There's like a vampiric mask that gives him superpowers. Um, but also Toriko. Toriko is a super long running manga. Um, it never quite reached the heights of uh, One Piece or Naruto or Bleach, but it ran just about as long as them, and uh, for good reason. It's like a little wacky and not quite as polished, but like it follows a student named Toriko who lives on Earth, but it's or like a Earth-like planet. But it's like the gourmet world where people only get stronger by eating like rare animals, which is like a cool concept. Isn't like you go find a monster, you you kill it, you make it into soup, you drink it. And literally like his dream is to assemble uh, what's called his full course meal as a hunter, which is like the best stuff you ever ate for like your death meal. And and on it, he has all these obscure items, one of which is called God. (laughs) (laughs) And so we hear it up. Rutaku not necessarily condone eating God, but Toriko does. And, and every right. time he eats a super powerful thing, makes him stronger, can get more uh, strong little little tasties in his life, and uh, you can keep yeah. capping wildlife until he, you know, can eat God. Eventually, yeah, can eat yeah, God. Yeah. You know, it's anime. Um, which, which, uh, interestingly enough, I'll keep plugging it. That's the original premise of Dragon Ball. What? Dragon Ball is you. It's about the Dragon Balls. It's about going and right. finding yep. the Dragon Balls to make a wish. Mm. That's like the whole premise of Dragon Ball. And then Z came in and they were just like, okay, but what if they like just fought more? 
Because it got to the point where they could like find the Dragon Balls in a day and it was no longer an totally. issue. Okay, that's a great point. But, yeah, yes. Dragon Ball I think has literally every one of these power systems, which is why it's satisfying and it's balanced. So um, in that case, just just to you know, move us on quickly, hit us up with Train Life, how Dragon Ball Z handles that, because that's what I always go back to when I think of DBZ. Right. Dragon Ball Dragon Ball Z, uh, it's all about like Goku's and Vegeta's quest to become stronger through intense and rigorous training regimens. Um and the fact that they don't have a cap on their power only makes it all the more important for them to train because that's how they reach it. Um and and that is such like an inspiration when people like wear Dragon Ball Z paraphernalia or they like look at these characters, it's all about the pursuit of a higher level of power through intense work. Mm-hmm. And that I think that's Dragon Ball Z is probably the best example I can think yeah, of because it's that. the best. I don't need to go into how like One Punch Man relates to that because DBZ, um, they have a thing <laughs> called the hyperbolic time chamber in DBZ, which is was my yes. favorite thing. Like thinking about it, I would just dream of like, what if you could enter a alternate world where time goes like way, way slower? You could just train for years and eat like nothing but white rice, which I realize now macronutrient wise is not like not yeah, good. Like, you might be kind of emaciated at the end. Your caloric intake is not spectacular. Yeah, and like neither just vitamin wise I don't know you know maybe he had vitamins there and we didn't see him um, but the idea being you could just train forever and a short amount of time would pass and your hard work would be like multiplied by that and so train mm-hmm. life I, I think that of all of these things I think we could p- pivot into larger stuff um, born this way willpower bonds artifact get and train life these are basically all things that we can kind of like look at in real life in terms of things that you know make uh, us power up but Art-wise, like, what do we like about these? What are our favorites? Um, what are kind of like the, the the traps here? Is there a right or wrong way to do them? I think that that's kind of something to dive in here. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I mean, like, with the pitfalls of some of these systems. So, like, for me, the um, the willpower one has probably the biggest pitfall. Yeah, and that is that like it doesn't require work anymore. Exactly. Agree. If you just believe hard enough, then like none of none of the work that you put in before that moment mattered mm-hmm. and even which which completely devalues even getting that artifact like <laughs> if it's artifact get you generally work to get that artifact so it's still work in that right. sense but like <sighs> willpower can be a great like breakthrough moment but it also just really lazily kind of goes in like um Yo, you don't have to pursue your dreams. If you just want it so bad, if you are like so obstinate and so stubborn, you'll be fine because you'll just break through to the next level. Right. Which is just not the case. Yeah. <laughs> like usually in real life, I don't know, maybe if you believe really, really hard, you'll be able to like get your degree. But, you know, usually you need to study. Yep. Um not with willpower not yeah. that um and so i mean like there yeah. are ways to have it be like a seasoning on your other power systems but i think it's definitely mm-hmm. it is probably the one with the most pitfalls um i am always really fond of uh stories about bonds and stories about training i think that those things are something where i just i love growth i love sharing in like the lowest of lows the highest of highs it's really good you had a fantastic point before we started this about like uh how shows will use an antagonist uh, to demonstrate their philosophy in the show. Could you kind of expound on that? Yeah. So like speaking on bonds and trust. So like with Pokemon, um, Ash like has a rival. His name's Gary and he sucks. He's the worst. 
but he is working just as hard as Ash the entire show. He is working his butt off and he is always just a few steps ahead. Um, and so like you have that power system where Ash is just a few steps behind, but still works really hard. And when they battle, it's really, really awesome. Mm-hmm. And then you have the power system where it's like, if I believe hard enough, I can defeat someone. So like Frieza in Dragon Ball Z, who was like one of the most iconic villains can of the show. Can you give us your Frieza voice? He- I love, I love yours. You got He's like, oh, yes, dirty (laughs) monkey. How dare you come in and steal the Dragon Balls? Um, And so, like, Freeze is the emperor of the known galaxy. He's never been hurt in a fight, like, ever. He's literally the emperor of the fucking galaxy. And then he hears, like, oh, hey, there are Dragon Balls on Namek. And he's like, oh, I guess I could use those to gain immortality. Cool. Goes down there. Suddenly this orange hillbilly (laughs) shows up with his stupid human friends and is like... Hi, I'm Goku and I'm a Saiyan from Earth. And he's like, don't care. And then they fight. And like, he goes Super Saiyan, mm-hmm. like halfway through the fight after Frieza literally beats his ass for two hours of real time. The fight between Goku and Frieza is four and a half hours of real oh time. Oh my God. From the first punch to where Frieza gets cut in half. <sighs> four and a half hours and like half of it is literally Frieza being like hi you suck I'm gonna beat the crap out of you because I'm bored how many episodes does that take it's an uh well if each one is like half an hour wow that's like so like at least like nine episodes right and anyway time in Dragon Ball Z is fucked but anyway uh so like Goku randomly goes Super Saiyan and becomes way more powerful than Frieza after Frieza toys with him for two hours. And Frieza's like, what the hell? What are you, what are you doing? What is this? And Goku's like, I don't know. I'm going to punch you. And Frieza's like, wait, I don't understand. <laughs> and and that's, like, that's where that system of willpower doesn't make any sense because Frieza was this untouchable figure. Mm-hmm. And simply through the power of anger and believing in yourself, he gets smacked. He catches those hands and he goes down. Yes. And and there's no explanation for it. Just is. That, yeah, I think that that you describing that so brilliantly, I think is 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 making me realize like when born this way is more often used for the villains, as in like, hey, here are the villains who yes. didn't work for what they need to, who are the the uh, oligarchs, the rulers, the people who have like benefited from this skewed fake meritocracy, and then it's the people who have the the willpower, the bonds. You gotta like work harder, find that solidarity, to topple these people. Um, which is why I think, you know, not every, not everything on this list, um, is exclusively like, how can you make this great for your protagonists to, uh, use here? Mm -hmm. Um, in terms of, in terms of power systems, I think it's kind of important to talk about the artistic philosophy behind these, because whether you're designing a D&D campaign or a game or a story, if you are writing a play, I see this in I see this in screenplays all the time too. If you don't realize what all of these like little um, implications and bits of character growth imply about your broader worldview, you might ro- wind up with actually like a very cruel film that doesn't really realize. Um, what it is uh, implying about the the state of the world. And so if you have a bunch of characters who are are cool and born this way, like maybe in My Hero, uh, even though, yeah, they work and they have willpower, you may wind up with a world in which, yes, they're training, but if you have a really strong element of born this way, you could just wind up making the kind of like wrong statement about this. And for the My Hero fans, I know that that's controversial to say, but um, can you think of any other examples where they're they're used and have kind of like a, a troublesome implication in this? 
Yeah. So, um, let me think. Because we talked about so, why willpower is uh, troublesome too. Um, right. Willpower, um, for me, is really troublesome because I mean, we already touched on the fact that it basically completely devalues the work that you put in before, mm-hmm. and and it makes it so like you understand that like once this character shows up, all you have to do is piss them off enough. Yeah. And eventually they'll win, um, which completely like, why are they even fighting? If you know that this person's going to win or why is there even a confrontation? Like why? Because if the audience knows it, the protagonist usually knows it too. Mm-hmm. And that completely, it doesn't, it takes all of the incentive out of the fight and out of the conflict. Um, totally. I, I think um, yeah. uh, artifact wise too, I see this in uh, games. I see this in different stories, uh, different um, projects of if, if your hero is like handed something by a, a god or an emperor or something that's so strong, um, what you're kind of implying by like the, the, the power there is, is really important because if it just comes out of nowhere, seems so unjustified and unearned and is never kind of like explored in the script, you kind of wind up creating just like a, a pro monarchy style <laughs> a story there. Mm-hmm. And in train life, honestly, uh, I love stories of you're, you're training, you're trying hard, you're finding like um, a a great path forward. But straight up, like if you're just training and improving yourself, you cannot always do it alone. You cannot always do mm-hmm. it alone. You could not always topple these things. And so there's a lot of like great man stories in anime. And even um, I mean, like in Dragon Ball Z, like he's got his squad. But I could think of plenty of stories in which there is one protagonist that just gets so strong that can take on the whole world by themselves without having a great firm like support base behind them. And then you just kind of <laughs> telling you wind up telling like kind of like a messiah story, which is super, you know, historically relevant and might be interesting and might be fun. Fun, but also kind of like might mislead people as to you know undervaluing the importance of like solidarity community building friendships things like that i think that's the biggest problem with dragon ball super which i mm. watched all the way mm. through so like with z um sorry i keep plugging dragon ball um, <laughs> no it's okay it's okay with, with z the the z fighters the main characters were training because they were trying to prepare for incoming threats to the mm. planet that's what they were doing. Once they realized, like, whoa, there are crazy people out in space and they all want to kill us. We should get stronger. But then in Super, that wasn't a thing anymore. And it was just watching Goku be like, I don't know. I just want to get stronger. So I'm just going to keep training and provoking fights. Mm-hmm. Like the last arc of Dragon Ball Super is literally a tournament of power that Goku instigated and literally led to the era- the erasing of, like, uh, I think like six different entire universes mm. because literally just because Goku was bored and wanted to fight someone because he was constantly training. So like if, when you go to train life, if the main character is training without a real reason, why are, why is there a show? There's no real show. It's just like watching gratuitous violence at that point. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think, um, I, I, you bring this up. I mean, it's kind of like hammering like the universality of like these, these issues for me because i also see these kind of like great man issues and and um issues of motivation in like young adult novels and like movies for children like you know how to train your dragon 
I love that I love movie. that movie too. But the main character is straight up. His dad is like king of the Vikings and his mom is like the mother of all dragons and has special, you know, dragon abilities. And that mm-hmm. is not, I mean, like, it's just a cheap wave of the hand because to me it's not, it's not satisfying when I see that in a story and I'm like, oh wow, both your mom and your dad are like secret superpowered gods. That's awesome because it, it, it can just offer a lot of cop outs for why you gain the next cool magic ability, you know, and right. Nepotism. Yeah, love it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think talking about nepotism, power structures, this is a, a good place to kind of like pivot into what we're talking about next. Yes. So um, so we really wanted to normally we would take like very, very specific shows, um, different arts, art, art forms mm-hmm. and anime, and we would discuss them with our listeners and sometimes with guests. But today we really wanted to talk about uh, what's happening in the world with the current power structure and the struggles that uh, people of color and um in our communities are facing right now. Yeah, And I think this, this was uh, Hal's suggestion to kind of have us starting off with a, a great episode on powering up, finding that uh, power and autonomy again, because we're like human beings too. And we're not really here to, um, I mean, we're here to, to spread joy and happiness and there's a place for that in times of uh, struggle, but it, it always comes back to what's happening in real life. And we are here to kind of stand in solidarity with you and with reality you know you, what's the point of releasing art if it's not talking about real life yeah exactly and, and to act as though something wasn't happening right now when we release our you know our our first episode that would be so incredibly disrespectful mm-hmm. and we we really want to put out material that we feel reflects our best values and the best aspects of humanity yeah and so we are going to talk about powering up in real life getting that power back times when we're we're really um low i think we wanted to to start with um how do we how do we want to take this off how do you imagine that so basically the first step in powering up Mm. uh usually if we're talking about the willpower the different power systems um a lot of it comes from just taking steps to better yourself Um, you know, you can look at all those different sets, like the train life. You can look at the willpower. You can look at the, the, um, born this way, understand who you are, what you want and what your core beliefs and values are. Um, because those not only affect you, but other people, the other people around you. And I think that that is the best way to power up just by first step is understanding yourself. And I think that since we're, I mean, people here and most of the people who are going to be listening to this first episode especially will be people who know us or who find out about us i want to make sure that you know about us like as human beings rather than just talking heads what our struggles are and so we wanted to kind of talk about our our personal experiences recently right like getting real with that yeah yeah Yeah. just touch on that a little bit yeah talking about areas we've 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 powered up recently we've found that stress i think that in the environment of of covid happening around november of last year i was probably at like a all-time low mental health wise i had uh just gotten out of a bunch of really difficult situations whether that was um professionally romantically familiar familially um uh where i was living making a lot of big moves uh career-wise doing a lot of things that maybe even didn't align with my morals and i knew i had to take a reset and so i hit that button cut off a lot of contacts honestly and just said okay i gotta turn my life around and this was at a low point i was feeling dissociative i was feeling um depressed and and to a point where i felt so out of body all the time that it was almost like i 
didn't have any real hope of getting better as a person because I didn't feel like a person. But having gone through struggle like this before, I knew all you can do is just keep trying, keep building these habits and working towards some, you know, vague hope that your friends and loved ones supply you with that it will get better eventually. And so going into the new year, COVID's happening. I take a really intense approach to, uh, to meditation, to, um, exercise. I take a really intentional approach to calling friends to, uh, reach out. None of which are things I, I wanted to do. I wanted to just kind of lie down or bury my head or, or, or waste away. And I, I just, I, I knew that I couldn't, you know? And so I, I had to make those little tough decisions, but going on like COVID is a really strange thing. And sure enough for me, mm-hmm. I, I honestly think of it as a blessing in disguise because it almost it, my whole life I've, I've been the type where I've had such difficulty trying to be creative for myself, trying to be to direct my energy at myself, feeling like I'm a worthwhile person. And COVID almost gave a reason to say like, hey, it's all right. Plays are not happening right now. You could take a step back from auditioning, from consulting on these um, different uh, uh, gigs because production is halted. Like, chill, work on yourself. I've still been working this whole time, which is good to have a schedule, but um, been having a lot of really important conversations and taking a lot of actions that have been really empowering and just because i kind of want this to be like a a discussion um how do you want to kind of like pick up on what it's like what it's been like for you these last few months sure yeah so um i recently graduated from college Mm -hmm. uh, and by recently i mean at at this point just over a year ago um I graduated with a musical theater degree, which, you know, is not the most marketable thing to have in your back pocket, but I wanted to make a go of it. And so I spent a whole year just trying to work regional theaters. Um, I was on a cruise ship right before, right when COVID yeah. got going. And then they were just like, hey, we have to send you home. And so I went home. And for the first time, I think ever in my life, I had this moment of, what do I actually want to do versus what do I think I should be doing based on what other people are telling me. Um, and I think that for me, COVID forced me to take a real look at myself um, and what it is that I want to be doing with myself um, at 22 years of age. Um, it also forced me to really look at people, really look at um, my relationships with other yeah. people because so many people have lost loved ones. So many people have lost friends, family. Um, so many people have lost their own lives. And, and that for me was such a wake up call as to like, wow, I really need to be in touch with the people who matter to me um, because right now it's not a given. And, and so like with all of that, I spent a lot of time focusing on bettering myself, exercising um, really intensely, training to become a professional uh, a, uh, fitness trainer. And um, and this this uh, endeavor, this podcast was, was an idea that we came up with together and that really helped me focus on what I feel is important. So I guess everything that's been going on, that's been my experience so far. And with... Um, what's happening right now with black lives matter. Yep. Um, it forced me to look at myself, um, as a biracial, uh, boy, I don't look black. I don't. And even though I'm part black, 
I don't look it. And that means that I have a privilege that a lot of other people don't. And that took a lot yeah. of, of introspection for me to be like, okay, wow, I really need to educate myself on what everyone is going through and what everyone is experiencing. 100%. I, yeah, I, I, thank you for sharing that perspective because I know that that's been so um, complicated and interesting to talk with you about. And the, the intersectionality of this moment has really struck me because, all right, when I was a, a young homie, because uh, to kind of open up about who I am, I am a, uh, <laughs> I, I am a uh, pansexual, non-binary little bean. <laughs> I, I, and that's been a a big process uh, opening up, and I've actually never come out on social media. And so I think you know, for family who listens to this, it'll be like heads up. Like, you know, incoming. <laughs> but like all of my friends know this. I'm, you know, I have maybe one of the right. gayest Twitters on planet Earth. But um, when I was a young homie, I grew up in like pretty abject poverty. And I had this experience when I was really young because my my parents, uh, my mother especially, really hardworking person, but people who suffered from addiction issues. My father, most of all, he was a crack and heroin addict. And when I was a young person, um, after one of my father's like big violent outbursts one day he uh falls asleep in you know a, a heroin days on the uh couch which was common but what was not common was that dangling out of his pocket was a manila envelope and back in the day i, I grew up on long island and you go to the bodegas around there and they used to sell these like small roses in little uh like plastic or glass vials and it was just kind of common knowledge there that those roses uh, were, were sold there specifically because the shape of the vial could like really easily be made into a pipe. And so it was one of those like pseudo legal like projects you'd buy at a bodega. And inside um, my father's uh, manila envelope that was dangling out of his pocket because he was normally so protective of his substances were vials and vials and vials of um, those that had been filled with crack along with small kind of like plastic things filled with crack rock. And so I go to my um, my uh, upstairs, I close, slam the door shut, lock the door. I try to call my mother. I'm like, what do I do? Because she was out of the house and she said, you know, if you're comfortable, you could call the police. And I call the police. And meanwhile, my father, who, by the way, at this point, seven years uh, sober, doing a lot of great, you know, activism work. It does not usually happen for somebody of his age. So shout out, uh, shout out my uh, old homie there, uh, even though not shout out for what you did to my childhood because... <laughs> but um, he's banging down the door and he's like, I'm going to kill you. Uh, you're dead to me. I'm just going to murder you in all these ways. And the cops come. Cops come to the door and uh, two cops, one black, one white. And I explain the situation. They like take my father to the side. I give them the substance. And sure enough, these were, <sighs> this is tough to talk about, but these were crooked cops. They took all of this crack <laughs> And a month later, when the police report came out, they could have brought my father in right there. You know, we checked the laws on this, but instead they just asked him to take a walk. And on the police report, which could have been substance for us to use at CPS, uh, at Child Protective Services, it said, you know, child claimed this, claimed this, but no material was handed over. Claimed that there was this in this envelope, but, you know, we never saw it, this substance I handed to them. And so God knows what they did with this stuff. But since then, I get panic attacks every time I see the cops. It's, it's a tough situation. Yeah. But this, you know, I will be goddamned if we do not power up from this situation. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I will be damned if we don't, because 
we look at kind of the the intersectionality out there the 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 complete like white supremacist racist culture that we're subject into and i think we should kind of talk about like ways we have engaged with this action right now have you have you done any uh, uh protesting out there how posting talking to family members anything like that <laughs> Uh, so I've been posting mm-hmm. uh, things here and there. I've been posting. Uh, I recently posted a list of uh, podcasts by um, uh, BIPOC um, individuals uh, just to sort of like, you know, patronize black artists out there and people of mm-hmm. color. Um I, I cannot go out and yep. protest in person because uh, my family and I are, are very, very high risk. And for many COVID. people are not in that situation. For everyone listening, it is OK if you're not in that position to do so. Which is and like I understand the guilt of feeling like, wow, I really, really should be doing more. I should be out there in person, mm. but it I can't help people if I'm dead. Yeah. So, <laughs> so um, and so I've been donating uh, to certain resources. Uh, we have a list here as well of some places to uh, check out or donate or educate yourself on. So there's like Black Lives Matter. There's BLRR. There's the Children's Defense Fund and the Poor People's Campaign are just like mm-hmm. a few and, resources that we have. And if you want down. to go globally, um, you could go to GiveWell.com. GiveWell.com uh, has a great list of kind of like financial breakdowns of those charities that are transparent. So you could see they have recommended charities and uh, of like where is your money best used if you're looking to kind of hit global good right here. Um, yeah, I and I think that this, in a sense, putting this this energy out into the world is something that we really want to talk about. We want to talk about how you take care of yourself in this time. Um, I think that there is there are so many people out there who want you to be quiet, who want you to shut up and who are 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 begging for these protests to end for all of us to stay quiet but we uh we have some other messaging here so we are going to talk about yeah powering up what we've been doing what you can do right now to take control of your life take control of the situation and take your life and community back so we're going to start with the personal right you want to hit us off with this yeah yeah so personal one of the things that will always be yeah. true and they tell you this on airplanes like if the airplane's going down you put your mask on mm-hmm. first and then you help the person next to you because you cannot help someone if you yourself are incapacitated so take care of mm-hmm. yourself practice self-care and that doesn't mean, always necessarily mean what's yep. easiest for you to do or what's the least painful but you know finding that bravery within yourself which is difficult is important you know build healthy habits that are easy and or, or rewarding just just think more rewarding to continue so like exercising uh, eating healthy just uh meditation if you need counseling seek out counseling there, there's no shame yeah. in all of these things and something i want to say here too especially on the, the rewarding i like how you emphasize that is that like i am just not about building unsustainable habits that are like a form of self-flagellation like if you hate if you hate um running because it makes you feel like sweaty and gross and whack there's just something in this world that'll you know get you moving and make your heart feel better that will hit for you so if like that's tennis or that is yoga or that is you know what ever just keep trying different stuff trying it with different people and don't keep pushing yourself if it's like i hated everything about that i am not a cross i I am not a crossfit person or whatever go ahead maybe maybe you find that parkour is just your language and you love it um but find out what's what what is easy and work for you if you don't want to eat riced cauliflower and tilapia every day you know as a as a as a meal you could find different things that bring you joy you could you know 
cook meals and we are not about like regulating um, exactly uh, what you eat, how you live your life. But if something is not bringing you happiness and joy, you know that there's going to be people out there who are just wanting the best for you and wanting to help facilitate whatever it is. And if, if they're trying to make you live life the way that they want you to live it directly and are given all that pressure, cut it off. Not interested in that type of energy, honestly, for me. Um, find those people who really support you, listen to you and are willing to work with you because there's a lot of people who are hurting right now. You know, my roommate lost three jobs. <laughs> he was working all, three jobs and lost them all when COVID hit. But, you know, he he keeps saying to me, you know, Pax, why not me? You know, why am I, you know, why would I be the world's biggest piece of shit that doesn't deserve happiness? And so I see him out there uh, jogging, still applying for different job opportunities, like finding those things that bring him joy, getting out there at the protests. Like that is all, all very real. I don't know. You got any other tips? Because you've, you've been through so much, Al. So any like little golden nuggets? to like rise up from this? I think for me, my biggest obstacle was deciding that it was worth feeling happy. Mm. It was deciding yep. that I am worth that positive emotion. Um, you know, just my my personal struggles with like like clinical depression, feeling that like a lot of people go yeah. through that. And one of the hardest things that I did um, was seek out medication, mm. seek out and, and, and counseling and therapy. And, and that was like, it wasn't fun. No. Like, don't get me wrong. It sucked, yeah. but it changed my life for the better and permanently. And, and so like, and so everything that I do afterwards, everything, every time I feel like shit and I, I have to make the decision to be like, okay, what do I do to make myself feel like I'm worth that joy mm -hmm. that I'm worth that positivity? Um, my girlfriend is personally a really, really great supporter in that way. She, you know, having someone in your corner that knows you and that cares enough about you to say like, Hey, you're kind of being a miserable piece of shit right now. How do we change mm -hmm. that? Yeah. And not because not to berate you, not to mock you, but because they want you to feel better. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's, you know, there's always someone out there who's going to be like, hey, stop being a jerk. You suck. Like, there are too many, too many people out there that are willing to say that to you. Keep people around you that truly care Absolute. for you. Absolutely. I think that's one of my biggest yeah, Thank you for being so brave and opening up about all that, brother. I think that that is like absolute um, key things right there. Um Okay, so, so something I wanted to, to jump in here real quick with is, yes, having somebody in your corner is so important. I know that I did not always feel like I had people in my corner. And so I do want to say, like, directly to anybody who's listening to this, I'll be in your corner. I will be in your corner. If we haven't spoken in a while, if we've never spoken, if you want to send me a DM at at Paxlillin, that's L-I-L-L-I-N on Twitter, I'll hop on the phone with you. I'll, I'll chat with you and hear about how you're doing. If you if you just need somebody, sometimes I know I felt it's way easier to talk to somebody you don't know at all about something. I'll, I'll, I'll be there for you in, in solidarity. I mean, like, and, and oh God, we are going through so much right now, but but something that has elevated it so much for me is is doing something locally because we're not really going to talk about like the, the global ways that you can change things. But there is stuff you can change, not just in your life, but in your community. And it is going to make you feel like a freaking superhero. It is going to make you are going to have Goku energy if you do this. So we're talking about voting. Uh, New York primary is coming up. Marching. 
organizing. Uh, my experience marching was crazy. We, uh, on, on one particular night, I mean, we got <clears throat> tear gassed a few uh, <laughs> weeks ago, but then uh, I'm in Buffalo right now. All 57 uh, Buffalo police officers resigned in solidarity with two cops who pushed an old man onto the pavement and shattered his skull. They were upset that they were placed on two weeks of paid uh, administrative leave. So, like, wh- whoops, you know, what are you going to do? But with less of them on the street, it was way more peaceful. And we found ourselves um, marching. And at one point, we even marched uh, after occupying City Hall to the holding center, the place where people go. My father volunteers there for, like, NA meetings, but where people are held behind bars. And being with a group hundreds strong late at night, chanting, you know, screaming like the cries of of people repressed and angry and just wanting the best for where they live and seeing those faces behind bars, you know, just smiling and waving and pounding their fists along with us. It it was like something I'll never forget. The fact that people are reclaiming the streets right now is really, really big. The fact that I think, you know, I, I'll talk about this a little later, but the illusion is dissolving. We have this power. Yeah. It's it's real. It's true. Um, so, so one thing that... Um I really want to do with my personal time is something that PAX helped me figure mm-hmm. out was um, if you want to be a part of your community, it's so much easier than than you would think. Like all it takes is a phone call or or to Google up like local food pantries, churches, shelters, things like that to donate your time or your money or your effort. So if you have the time or the money or the effort to donate, you know, a lot of times people don't have all three. Um so like let's say you are still working right now you're an essential worker you don't have the time to donate if you have a bit of money to give out to the right cause like some of the resources that we listed earlier that is a way that you can help your community and other communities if you don't have a lot of money like i'm on unemployment that's my struggle right now but i have time i'm gonna go look up some of these food uh some of the food pantries uh some of these shelters see if i can't volunteer my time because there are so many people out there who would benefit from just a little bit of help and with many hands uh many hands make light work Mm -hmm. i think is one of my favorite sayings and um that's that is one of the best things that you can do for your community that will only take like minimal amounts of effort yeah and if you don't have time you don't have uh money you don't have uh the the any any anything else to give take care of yourself oh my god do not worry we got it you know other people will get it (laughs) just reach out for help don't worry and then when you're ready throw in throw in whatever you can right now um Mm -hmm. something i wanted to talk about because i've been you know really tweeting my buns off the other day and like although i think one of the worst things we've ever did was um uh tying like likes and internet points to things you know what i mean mm-hmm. and so all of the time i remind myself as i'm you know posting these tweets here and i'm seeing numbers go up and i'm feeling like i'm high i'm like Woo! <laughs> always it's like wait get back to it what's the next protest you're going to what's the next conversation you're going to have what's what's the next cause you're going to donate to we did a fundraiser me and people in my community uh, uh about a month ago for the children's defense fund that's really big um there are a lot of uh schools areas and churches who are uh getting food for kids um, gathered because when I was like, when I was a young homie, there was not, um, I, we, we relied really heavily on school meals and lunches. Like I relied on schools for breakfast and lunch. And there are a lot of kids right now who are going hungry. Like child hunger is like at an all time high in between the unemployment, in between kind of like the, uh, unsafety and, and, and volatility of some of these households they're living in. 
figure out how you can kind of like help the kids there, get some meals delivered, figure out those social services. There are people whose jobs and whose passions are literally just aligned, waiting for people to reach out to them on Facebook or through email and just Googling what resources are available in the areas. And they they will be so happy when you reach out and they will have work for you. They will have something for you to do or share or help with. And every time you do that, you're just going to feel more and more powerful. You are going to feel like you're making change because you are. I think why COVID is so difficult is that all of us are um, experiencing a huge group trauma in crisis right now. And in times like this, we see the best of humanity. We see humanity coming together, rising above it all, and we see that connectivity. But without being able to see each other in person, I mean, the, these protests and gatherings being an exception, but without being able to see your friends and family, being able to give these things, it is really, really tough. It is hard. But there are resources out there. Me and my roommate, we baked like two dozen quiches to give to all our friends and just drop them off at their houses. You, you figure it out. You figure out those ways to make you feel um, connected. But I swear this is going to pass. And until it does, you know, we're there for you. And, and anything else on a, on a local level you want to add, Hal? Uh, basically, the only thing that I really want to advocate is I know that self-isolation is a really big thing mm -hmm. right now. Obviously, physically, you don't want to catch COVID. Of course, but don't isolate yourself mentally. Don't isolate yourself emotionally. Yeah. Um, it's not going to help you and it's not going to help anyone else. Uh, the biggest thing that we can do right now is be there for ourselves and then each other. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so like if you have to, if you cannot do any of the things that we mentioned, you do not need to feel guilty. Like that's okay. Just take care of yourself and maybe reach out to a friend or two who might need some help or, or maybe reach out to someone who might need just to talk. And that is, I feel personally that that is enough. And you better believe you. I mean, it's the butterfly effect. You flap your wings once you call a friend in need. They are reminded that that is something they can do. They call somebody. You get that chain started. You put that good energy, that love out of the world you're going to feel it come back. It's going to pay dividends. You might feel like you're, you're, you're small here, but there's so much to do. Uh, you okay if I kind of launch into a rant here? <laughs> okay, cool. So everybody, this world is going to be what you want it to be. There are so many people out there who are convinced it is their job. It is how they get their paycheck, convincing you that you are small, that you are a ant, that the world has been totally irreparably lost to you, that power has been lost to you, and it has been lost uh, f because of the forces of these old warmongering billionaires and, and, and people just trying to cause this division. Here's the thing. When this happens, you ask yourself, why are people doing this? Why are people trying to divide us? There's got to be a reason because they wouldn't do it if they weren't profiting from it. So they want you to believe that you're not powerful. Do not believe them. Put love out into the world and you're going to get it back because people are so much better than we give it credit for. The rulers of this world, the oligarchs, can feel that we are so close. They see how much us outnumber them on the streets, the people out there working every day to make their communities a little better, to provide for their families, their friends, the people who are doing the work versus the people who are siphoning it off. Why would they be trying harder and harder to do this if they weren't feeling like we're getting pretty close, like things are changing, like areas of Seattle are being occupied, that, that dirty cops are being arrested and that uh, 
cops who are not out there murdering people are having better rules to go by, departments being dissolved, communities coming together, people figuring out what is going to happen. Every time that there is a world tragedy, every time that there is are uncountable casualties, not from police violence exclusively, but also like COVID happening broadly, all of the things that are putting the pressure cooker to max on this society, every time that this happens, there are people who will rise from it and make the world their own and make that change and make a difference. There are people who will make their name, people who will make wealth, people who will make revolutionary thoughts become mainstream. And so ask yourself, whatever your dreams are right now, whatever stage in life you're at right now, there is literally not going to be a better time to do it than right now. You will not be too late if you act right now or very soon, because as the world is reborn and wakes up and recovers, we are the ones who get to shape it. So whatever that creative project is, that business idea, that thing you want to get out in your community, that 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 club, that group, that gathering, that idea, let that free out into the world because the world is ready for it and we are ready for it and we are here to help. We are here to help and we're standing in solidarity, man. Yes, we are. I know you had something you wanted to say. Absolutely. And and I think that in the midst of all of this conflict and this change, there's a lot of really, really great, incredible things happening along with the bad. Um, but I think that right now, the biggest thing that is uh, the biggest obstacle that we face is a division within our own mm-hmm. families and within our friend groups, yeah. the people that we care for. Um, all I ask is that there are definitely going to be people in your life, people that you love, people that love you that are not going to agree with you, especially on this, (laughs) especially on this. And that, and, and while that may be infuriating, even if you feel like it's a no brainer, Mm -hmm. why, why are we even having this conversation? Have the conversation with love and with understanding because oftentimes the people who disagree with you believe just as strongly in that as you do in what you believe in. And they feel that they're doing it for the right reasons. Not all the time, but sometimes, um, I, you know, what I'm trying to say is, um, even if you feel as though you need to have an educational moment with someone that you love, even if education needs to be had, try to do it with as much love and understanding yeah. as possible. Even if the conversation doesn't go well, yeah, it sucks. But in the end of the day, love is the only thing that's going to bring us together. And we are so much weaker yeah. when we are apart from mm-hmm. each other. That's what they want. It's yes, what they want. that's exactly what they so, want. And they want it to happen at home because that's where it yes, begins. Yes, I love that message. Coming with love. Everybody who's listening to this, I know deep within your heart, there sleeps that knowledge of what can make you feel better of what can make that pain go away it could be real easy to kind of like sink into that dark dark water of just abyssal pain of despair of nothing of giving up but i know that when you were younger you had that spark i know that right now you still have that spark and you have that dream and that there's that ability to power up i know that deep inside you you know what you need you know what could make it better and you know who's there to help out and so i just want to send that message even now possible to get a hold of that dream it's possible to power up i think so (laughs) right me too 
So, um, everyone, thank you so much for listening. If you liked what you heard, please give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or review us on your favorite podcasting app. It really does make a difference, and every review counts. Uh, we'll make sure to give you a shout-out on the air to show your appreciation. So, uh, I'm Hale. And I'm Pax. And we're, and we're the, the Brokers. <laughs> nice. Nailed it. <laughs> Be well, and we'll see you next week.